and welcome to Devotions on the Psalms, Israel's Songbook, a podcast by Christ Lutheran Church in Brea, California. We've reached Psalm 24. Here is Pastor Eric Claus. Hello. Welcome to another Psalm devotional. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 24. Uh, so, before we dive in, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the gifts that you give us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, we thank you for your faithful servants who wrote this word through your inspiration and so many faithful servants who passed it down to us. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to treasure this, help us to pray it as a song of praise, help us to rejoice in the good news that you give us. We pray this all in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as a lot of you know, at Christ Lutheran, this is my first episode since the birth of our daughter, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, so little Lucy Jane was born last Friday, August 28th, seven pounds, two ounces, 19 and a half inches long, and uh, yeah, we think she's pretty much perfect. Um, I was hoping that maybe I could introduce her this episode, but... Uh, she is not a happy camper right now, so it might have to wait till another week. But be on the lookout, it will happen before too long. So, uh, this week, Psalm 24, it's, it's a pretty short psalm, which is just fine with me, as I'm uh, pretty low on sleep at the moment. Um, but it is a pretty special psalm, it is a pretty wonderful psalm, and it's a psalm that maybe is even familiar to you, um, because it's a psalm that is the basis for many hymns and songs as well. All right, so let's begin. Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. All right, so there's some thought that perhaps this psalm is written, um, or it was sung when the tabernacle first came to Jerusalem. So remember, Jerusalem was not actually a part of Israel until David conquered the city. Um, it likely actually belonged to a group called the Jebusites until David conquered it and made it the capital city of the nation of Israel. And when he brought in the Ark of the Covenant to the new capital, it was an incredibly joyful time because here it was God establishing his kingdom, God establishing David's family, the throne, the Lion of Judah. He was establishing that throne forever. So it was a really awesome time. There's actually a funny story about David got so excited about it, he was dancing around in his underwear. But you can check that out yourself in Psalm, or sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 6. But perhaps that this is the setting. 
It's the Ark of the Covenant finally coming into Jerusalem, into this capital city, and there is great rejoicing that God is here. He has entered his city. So in verse 1 and 2, we see a little bit of this, just this praise of who God is. God is the creator. He is the maker. He is the one over all. Um, And remember, this is a unique belief in the ancient world, because in the ancient world, there were all these different gods who did different things. You had your god of the land, the god of the sea, the god of the air. You had um, all these minor gods doing different things, but not so with Israel. God is one, and he is the creator of all things, and he is absolutely almighty, and he is the only one, and he is the one who establishes everything forever. And he is the one who, well, I like what it says here, that the earth is the Lord's and those who dwell wherein, but he has laid the foundation of the earth. So God is the foundation of all foundations. He is the bottom of it all. Uh, Actually, the Greek philosopher Aristotle had a term. He said, the unmoved mover, the one that started everything, um, and that is God the foundation, the one who even laid the foundations of the seemingly immovable earth. So David is painting this picture, reminding us and reminding the people back then who God is. He's not one of many. He is the only, the creator. And then David talks about um, going, entering into God's presence to worship him now that he's come to this holy hill. Jerusalem is a hill. Oftentimes you'll hear Zion. Zion is the name of the hill Jerusalem is on, Mount Zion. So who is it that can come approach God? Who is it that worships him? Uh, What does a worshiper of God look like? And it is really interesting. Those two statements aren't quite the same. Uh, uh, Who can worship and what does a worshiper look like? Because if we ask ourselves, well, who can worship God? And then we have to try to get this checklist and say, well, can we do all these things? Then we've earned it. Or is it... What does a worshiper of God look like? That is, we are already children of God. Now, how do we worship God? I think that's the better way to think about it. So it's interesting. David, he says, okay, so come into this holy place to come bless the Lord. Uh, what what do you need to do? And again, not to earn it, but what, what should we be doing um, in God's presence? Uh, and I like what he says. He says, clean hands and a pure heart. And there's a reason he used hands hands and heart, because what he's saying is hands, that's the outward things. Those are the outward actions. Those are the things that we do for the people around us. And the heart, well, that is our inward life. That is our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own desires. Um, Both those things need to be focused rightly. You can't just have one or the other. Um, It needs to be both. And some people also say, hey, this is saying like the the traditions and the... um, and the things laid down in the Old Testament, David's talking about, hey, you need to do those things, and you also need to have your heart set in the right place. And this is something that Jesus would bring up against the Pharisees. He'd say, listen, your outward actions, they all look right, but your heart is far from me. You're like a a cup. The outside, it looks, a dirty cup. The outside looks great. The inside's filthy. Um, So we need to constantly be examining ourselves and say, hey, are my outward actions and my inward, my my inward heart, is it in the right relationship with God? Is it humble? Is it working um, for goodness, for truth, for beauty? Am I in the right spot? 
Um, and we constantly need to be evaluating that and constantly be acknowledging how we fail. Because let's face it, on our own, none of us have clean hands and none of us have a pure heart. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. So then David lays out, you know, what the other things we should not be doing, like living in falsehood and deceit. Absolutely not. We have a God of truth and we need to be founded in truth. But then David says, well, what's going to happen if you do that? And in verse 5, he says, you will receive a blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. So there's a couple, there's two different ways to understand this. And I was thinking about this as I looked at it. Now, I've got a Lutheran study Bible, and how it describes that is it, it just makes a note that says, well, remember that we do not earn our righteousness before God, which is absolutely right. That righteousness before God can only come through Jesus Christ, nowhere else. Um, but sometimes we describe there's a different type of righteousness um, that is the righteousness that just the world sees. So sometimes in the Bible, you'll, you'll hear it say, well, that guy was a righteous man. Well, you might say, well, nobody's righteous before God because uh, we've all fallen short and sinned. Yeah, absolutely right. Before God, this is this vertical sense, we're all sinful. No one's righteous. But in this horizontal sense, there are people that we see who we see, wow, that person is, is they're living a righteous life. And I know they're not perfect, but they are, they're working hard and they're fighting the good fight. Um, and I see it. And I wonder if David's talking about that. So he's saying, hey, Trust God, do the things that he says, work hard to have a pure heart and uh, clean hands, and what's going to happen? You will receive a blessing from the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get rich or you're going to have all your wildest dreams come true. No, it could be that you're going to suffer a terrible death for it, but in that there's actually still blessing. Follow God's commands, you will be blessed. Follow God's commands, you'll live a righteous life. Will you do it perfectly? Absolutely not. And that's why I like what it says. You will receive this righteousness from, he will receive this righteousness from the God of his salvation. That is, God's already saved you. He's the God of your salvation. That's already done. Through Jesus Christ, that's happened. Now go do what he said. And what's going to happen? He's going to bless you. And he will, he will give you righteousness. Not righteousness before God. That's only through Jesus Christ. But he will help you live that righteous life. All right. So this last little bit, I really like this little bit. And it's, it's just poetry, these last several verses. And it speaks about the king coming into his capital. And the gloriousness that is there. Um, the, and it says the Ark of the Covenant, if, if this is what's happening in this chapter... The Ark of the Covenant, God's immediate presence, um, is coming into his capital. He's entering in. These gates are opening up to him. He's establishing his kingdom. God wins and he rules forever. And so this is this awesome, powerful thing. The God of hosts, that's the God of armies, the God of power. He's here and he's ruling and things are good and righteous. And it is a time of awe and a time of celebration. Um, and just a, a pivotal moment in the history of the world. Now, as Christians, we know that this that's not the only time that these words are true. Because about a thousand years after David, again, the king would enter through these ancient doors to his capital. Uh, but it would be on a donkey. And of course, it would be Jesus Christ. And these same doors that received the Ark of the Covenant so long ago would now be receiving God again. Except he wouldn't be in an ark. He wouldn't be in something made by human hands. 
he would be enfleshed as a human, fully God and fully man, entering into his capital, his throne, the throne of David, from which he will rule for all time, forever. Um, and then again, we know that this is going to come true one more time, and that is when Jesus returns, his second coming, he will again return to his holy city, Zion, Jerusalem, and I don't know exactly how that's going to happen, what that's going to look like, but he's going to return again, and everything will be set right forever. And that's what we're looking forward to. When Jesus Christ, the true king, the true king of the line of David, who will rule forever in goodness when he returns in fullness and in power, and we can live perfectly at peace with him. And so this is, like so many things in the Bible, it was true before, uh, it had its original meaning, but it was also pointing forward to Jesus and maybe even pointing on past that. And that is exactly what these words are here. All right, let's close in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome psalm. Lord, we thank you that you have come to dwell with us, that you came to dwell with the Israelites in the Ark of the Covenant, and now you come to dwell with us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with that peace, that we can sing these words joyfully in songs and hymns. Open up, you mighty gates, you ancient doors. Receive your King. Lord, help us to receive our King. Help us to have clean hands and a pure heart through the salvation that you give us through Jesus Christ. Lord, strengthen us as we joyfully await his coming. We pray this all in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Like I said, be on the lookout uh, next week. I'm hoping that little Lucy is in a bit of a better mood uh, and you can meet her. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, not yet. But love you all. Hope that you're doing well. God's peace. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, follow Christ Bray on all social media outlets and visit ChristBray.org. We'll see you next time.